There is no honor in that. You don't give another guy a shot to the balls. He brought shame upon his house. Hello and welcome to the Cut the Cord podcast episode 31. I'm Hannah and I'm joined by some other streaming media nerds, Amanda. Hey guys. Ryan. Hello. And Chris. Howdy, howdy. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm going with this week. I'm going with howdy, howdy, all right? (laughs) It's a bold choice. (laughs) (laughs) It's a bold choice, sir. You're embracing your identity and your heritage. Oh, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Together, we take on television for those who have cast off the tyranny of their local cable provider. Each week, we gather here to find a great show to watch from the often overwhelming variety of shows to choose from. We review the prior week's selection, then we pick a new show and we do it all over again. This is a review show, so there will be spoilers. We'll try and hide them behind the spoiler zone. This week's show is Netflix original Big mouth our companion song is changes by charles bradley i think this one's really fitting with the theme of the show of course and it's nice that they went with something a little bit more classic as opposed to one of their own original tunes because that's a little weird it was kind of surprising at first but i liked it a lot and the opening credits in general Mm -hmm. were just incredibly striking and disgusting but also appropriate for the show okay so let's take a listen Big Mouth was created and written by Nick Kroll. The series writers were Jennifer Fleckett, Mark Levin, and Andrew Goldberg. The music was by Mark Rivers, and it was produced by Titmouse and distributed <laughs> by Netflix. Teehee, Titmouse, tit tit, ha <laughs> ha. This is probably the first hint that this is going to be a wildly NSFW episode of Cut the Cord. Yeah, if you don't want to hear a lot of dick jokes, then this probably is not the one for you. Yeah, I mean, not only jokes, but really frank discussions of sexuality and puberty and biology. Yeah, seriously. I mean, the show does definitely go for the gross out, you know, dick and fart jokes, but they're smart about it and they're honest about it. So it's not just gratuitous. It's true. It's not just for the sake of being there. It's usually for a purpose of some kind. Almost always. The joke is not how gross it is, but how true it is. Right. Mm-hmm. That we were all once just little horrible, disgusting monsters. <laughs> oh, definitely. I, mean, I would say the show is pretty true. It's probably exaggerated. I can only speak from the teenage male perspective about 25 or 30 <laughs> percent, but it's not outrageous. <laughs> you <laughs> mean you didn't right, have a yeah. literal monster following you around at all times? Uh, I didn't have to throw away literal garbage bags full of cum socks, oh. but, you know, you got to get rid of a few of those things. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, setting the tone <laughs> setting the tone setting the tone yep just strap um, in people that's how it's gonna just be strap in we're talking about cum socks and crunchy carpet spaces let's go strap in and strap on <laughs> i'm glad you made that joke before i could right <laughs> you set him up i knock him down <laughs> So Nick Kroll plays one of the main characters, Nick Birch. He also voices Mari the Hormone Monster and Coach Steve. Aw, Coach Steve is so sad. (laughs) That's actually in a pretty impressive range of vocal parts. Yeah, it's a lot of range. Yeah, 
giant monster with a very deep voice and then a weird coach guy. You can't read. It might be weird to shout out another podcast, but I'm going to shout out another podcast. If you listen to Comedy Bang Bang, you're very familiar with Nick Kroll and his range is not surprising. He plays a huge, diverse cast of characters on Comedy Bang Bang. Oh, that's cool. I'm used to him being like douchey and gross. So Mari the Hormone Monster isn't so. A lot of them are douchey and gross. Yeah, like that's a common theme. Mari the Hormone Monster isn't so, you know, surprising, but Nick Birch was. Yeah. The National Treasure, John Mulaney, plays Andrew Glauberman. And Jesse Klein plays Jesse Glazer. Maya Rudolph does an outstanding performance as Connie, the Hormone Monstress. Ugh, she's so good. Ugh, I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, she was good. Her yeah. voice is just so round and sensual. <laughs> ah, it's so good. Sensual and voluptuous. It's great. There's a moment when she says the word boobies, <laughs> and it's like she has eggs in her mouth. It's like burbles. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I hope that there's video of her somewhere <laughs> while she's working the mic because, oh my God, <laughs> but that's amazing. I feel like it's a full body performance yeah. when she's doing that voice. Oh, yeah. Well, it's kind of a little bit of her uh, Donatella Versace <laughs> character voice, if you can remember that from SNL. Get out! <laughs> <laughs> I did like that you have not only the male hormone monster, but you also have the female hormone mm-hmm. monster. Yes. Yeah. And we'll talk about that, that they really show both sides. I can't say how accurate the female side is, but the male <laughs> side seems pretty accurate. Yeah, so. we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. Yeah, we definitely need to talk about that. Ginny Slate is Missy, and she just does such a cute job with it. I didn't really realize it was Miss Ginny Slate. She's adorable. And- Oh, yeah. Missy's a cute character. This is just adorable. She's wonderful. Jenny Slate, who was tragically booted from SNL for saying the F word on live television. R.I.P. Oh, is that what happened? She was a short-lived cast member. She's gone on to have a great career since then. Oh, no, I can't say this guy's name. And Jason Manzoukas is Jay, who is horrible and disgusting and really (laughs) sad. Who is basically himself. He is horrible, but you do get a sense of where he came from and why he's Where he's coming from. Good God, yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that too. And Jordan Peele plays the ghost of Duke Ellington slash Freddie Mercury. (laughs) He's great. Actually, that was probably my least favorite part of the show. I'm not entirely sure for me that that character worked so much. It was a little weird at times. He's a ghost who gives bad sexual advice to teenagers. And talks a lot about drugs and prostitution. Yeah, I feel like he was kind of just there to, like, make older references that the kids wouldn't have made. So it also has performances from Kristen Bell, Mae Whitman, Fred Armisen, Richard Kind, Kat Dennings, Jack McBrayer saying some really filthy things, Alia Shawkat, Kristen Wiig as a singing vagina... (laughs) And then Nathan Fillion as himself. <laughs> and a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Playing himself is really his his magnum opus. Who did the voice of Garrison Keillor? I don't know. Pretty sure it was not Garrison Keillor. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him, but I didn't sound like him. That seems a little extreme. Even if the guy's got a sense of humor, that's uh, pretty far. I guess that goes behind the spoiler wall of what exactly Garrison Keillor <laughs> has to do with the show in question. <laughs> Just uh, watch and you'll find out eventually. <laughs> I was definitely kind of one of the moments where we're like, man, that show went a little bit too far, maybe. It went there. 
And then it even calls it out like a little bit later. It's like, I'm not sure. I may have gone a little bit too far there. It's <laughs> yeah, right. there's a lot of lampshading in this. <laughs> <laughs> on a scale of zero to there, it was there. Maybe an 11 on the scale of zero to there. They do a lot of breaking the fourth wall and meta commentary. And even on the show itself, as the show is going on. I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially whenever they make uh, references to previous episodes, they'll call it out. It's like, yeah, yeah that was a callback. You guys <laughs> caught that, right? You're binge watching this, right? Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that they're on Netflix and that the worst punishment that Nick can get is no Netflix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no Netflix. No. <laughs> So let's go down for the plot summary. So Big Mouth is a 10 episode animated series with a raunchy take on puberty featuring singing genitals, the grody ghost of Duke Ellington, menstruation, masturbation, zits, broken hearts, and inexplicable attractions. A pair of personified hormone monsters are the characters and our disgusting and depraved guides to the beginning of adolescence and budding sexuality. This show is notable for giving almost equal screen time to female puberty and a voice to how truly vulgar young women can get too. Hell yeah, it does. About time. There's a part in the show where the boys are told the girls get horny too and like every person's head explodes (laughs) when they learn that information. Including the hormone monster's head explodes. (laughs) I like how he continues to have his head blown as the episode goes on, too. He's like, wait, that means that hurt that she gets horny, too. Oh, oh, that means the teacher gets horny. Oh, that means my mom gets horny. No. My mom. (laughs) That was a fun realization. It's uncomfortable. (laughs) The whole thing brings up memories of those kinds of realizations and feelings. And uh, it just it made my skin crawl a little bit. Mm -hmm. I found it really interesting, too, that when the young girls would get upset, the hormone monster would like launch into like attack mode with them, like to burn everything down and destroy everyone. I found that really interesting. Destroy. Mm -hmm. That's 100 percent true. That's a thousand percent true to life. This for real, like the scream crying. Yep. Saying really (laughs) horrible things to your mom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is legit right there. Yeah. The violent outbursts were not limited to just the boys. I remember having scream fights with various members of my family, running into my bedroom, slamming the door, flinging myself on the bed and crying, and then just wishing for someone to come in and like try and talk me down. But no one ever did. Nobody ever does. (laughs) I remember flinging myself on the bed and crying and then like bouncing against the side of the bed you know when your mattress is crappy and it just kind of caves and then (laughs) and then I'm lying in my bed prone like why did I just do this (laughs) so the line where the hormone monster tells her to fling herself on her bed and cry so hard no noise comes out that's accurate Oh, that's real. That's so real. Oh, <laughs> uh, episode two, just in general, all of that spoke to my soul. It spoke to my very essence. Like I, maybe this is TMI for a podcast, but my first womanly flowering as a kid was in white shorts on a trip. <laughs> Ooh, so yeah. you lived the nightmare. Oh, sweet Jesus. That's awful. Oh, you lived the nightmare. Yes. I lived it. I lived it. I handled it way worse than Jesse does in this. Oh, shit. She ended up wearing an improvised diaper made out of a souvenir towel. (laughs) How did you do worse than that? She was cool with it. Not cool. She sort of was like open with people and 
She was somewhat composed. Right, she was able to, like, own it and be like, yeah, this is happening and it sucks, but whatever. I was absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to be secret and, like, hide everything and, and not ask for help, you know, and, like, be totally, like, self-sufficient. It was nice that Andrew comes and helps her with the, the toilet paper situation. The one who's not her boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, the one who's not her boyfriend. I mean, really, he was just the first person she knew that came near enough for it to. Her hear boyfriend her. was up in the Statue of Liberty, and I'm sure he would have he would have rather been absolutely anywhere else. Oh yeah. Oh sure, but I mean, at yeah. least he, you know, helped. You know what I mean? I'm pretty sure Jay would have been like exactly what I was thinking of as the person who would not have been nearly as helpful. <laughs> yeah. Also, I appreciate whenever she, you know, tells him to just come into the women's bathroom and he comes there and he's like, huh? Oh, no, it's not any different at all. I've only been in a women's bathroom once. (laughs) I didn't know I was in the women's bathroom until I was leaving and a woman walked in. Like, we passed each other and I wanted to warn her. And I, like, looked back in the bathroom and it was like, you know, when they have, like, the Sherlock Holmes movies and you see all the clues going off? Like, that's what my vision was like. I'm like, wait, there are no urinals in there. You know? Like, oh. (laughs) That was a woman's bathroom. Okay. In retrospect, this was a poor decision. <laughs> oh, and then the the no toilet paper when you just had like something really horrifying is happening in your panties. That's so real. Oh, the worst. And I could never remember to check. Yeah, the timing is real hard to get right at the beginning. I think we all had an experience of being overconfident with that whole situation. Of being prepared and having your tampons with you and yeah. <laughs> tampons. Dampens. Sorry, I've been watching Oh Hello, like right before we started the podcast. So now you just want to mispronounce everything? Oh, you did! Uh. Yeah, he mispronounces everything. It's so funny. They put the emphasis on the second syllable of words a lot. So. A lot. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you don't have your pawns with you and you're just... <laughs> It's like you gotta have, there's all these accessories that come with female puberty, and it really sucks. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, add-ons and plug-ins and extensions. (laughs) Plug-ins. And apps. There's an app for that. There really is. It's called Clue, and it's amazing. From what I've been told, though, girls do tend to watch out for each other and, you know, will loan each other a pawn. Is that the new cool slang kids are using these days? (laughs) You're not allowed to say pawn. I'm not allowed to say it. Okay, that's their word. <laughs> that's their word. No. Yeah, it's no, our it's word. not. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of surprised whenever he came back in that uh, the Go Mets lady right. hadn't passed her one. Instead. I don't think there was any in any stall because there was the angry bathroom attendant to sabotage them. So yeah, he sabotaged the bathroom. <laughs> she broke my heart. There was no toilet paper, much less a convenient pond. Did you guys notice the REM parody in yes. that episode? <laughs> Oh, my God. That was so good. That was amazing. Everybody bleeds. Everybody bleeds. And then, even better, at the end, during the credits, Amy Mann, the real Amy Mann, sang a cover version of that parody (laughs) of R.E.M. Yes. I also really loved the musical number at the end with the electric slide that they did. I thought that was brilliant. Oh, that was actually surprisingly good. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. About how much life sucks. I was kind of expecting that to be the end of the series right there, because it was such like a nice, perfect encapsulation of what the whole series is about. The Easter eggs and the sort of references, that it's kind of like, it reminds me a little of 30 Rock, where you have to really pay attention to catch some of the jokes that fly really fast. 
Yeah, so Mark Rivers, the music director and writer of most of the songs, uh, did Mr. Show, Parks and Recreation, and The Cruel Show, which is not that surprising. <laughs> uh, they're really surreal. I think my favorite is the totally gay number. Oh, with the ghost of Freddie Mercury? The Queen pastiche. That was really good. It's so perfect. They just got it pitch perfect, just right, just Mm, perfect. I was wondering if they got, you know, like an actual Freddie Mercury cover band singer guy. He was good, though. He was Yeah, on. I don't know who that vocalist was, but he was... It's Jordan Peele. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think it was that same episode where there was an interview and they were literally Between Two Ferns. Have you guys seen Between Two Ferns? Yeah. These are a lot of the same group of comedians, and so that was 100% a reference. I did like all of the way they showed how every single thing is sexualized and something to masturbate oh, to, yeah. to like 13-year-old boys. Yes. I thought that was mm-hmm. really funny and really accurate. Like, I was especially struck by the, the Land O'Lakes butter <laughs> person they had. <laughs> A particularly ripe tomato. I'm like, oh, memories. <laughs> it rings true. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Did you spank it to the Land O'Lakes lady? Well, weren't you telling me the other day that a lot of guys were spanking it to a Miss Butterworth? <laughs> yes. There's a running joke on our uh, comics podcast about Mrs. Butterworth. <laughs> I guess it's a thing. I mean, if that many people are joking about it, you know, all jokes have a seed of truth in them. So some people have spanked it to Mrs. Butterworth. <laughs> I guess generally when those of us on this podcast were going through puberty, the whole internet porn thing wasn't as available. It was kind of just starting. Yeah, it was sort of the beginning of it. The speeds, at least in my town, were just too slow to really... 56k modem. <laughs> The internet wasn't around when I was in junior high and, and high school. Al Gore hadn't gotten to there yet. But I lived a yeah. blessed puberty life because my backyard, it boarded up against a liquor store that did not check oh, their ID wow. or anything. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's a panacea there. You had some experiences. The skies parted, the angels sang, and like I was like, I could buy anything <laughs> here. I think I bought like a skin mag one time. I bought Playgirl and was really disappointed that it was really not oriented toward women so much as huh. gay men. I mean, most porn in general is oriented toward men, whether they be gay or straight. Well, that's sad. <laughs> you know, like actual porn for women, you know? Like it's- they did have a book in this uh, series that all of the women were reading. Oh, yeah. The Rock of Gibraltar. Oh, yes. Gustavo. The Rock of Gibraltar. An erotic historical novel. It really does a good job of demonstrating the ways that women get horny, but they don't quite in the same way. I mean, not always, but often our brains are activated by different types of stuff. Not just literally a picture of a tomato. Yeah, there was a part where his sister was explaining the book to him and why women liked it. I think that was where he had the realization that women get horny too and like, Yeah, she said it's about sex because it's about everything around sex. But not the sex. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a really interesting representation of the fact that young women have sexuality too and it's different than men, but it doesn't mean that it's not there or that it's Mm -hmm. not weird and intense and uncomfortable and like disconcerting for the people experiencing it. I liked that Jesse ends up being into Jay at some point because she obviously thinks he's a disgusting creep and yet... (laughs) And yet, Connie, mm-hmm. the hormone monstress, mm-hmm. wants her to get up on that. I love it. Whenever he starts talking, she's like, shut up and kiss shut me. Shut up. 
Yeah, Jason Manzukis is doing sort of a heightened version of his persona that he has on a lot of like podcasts and stuff in the character of Jay. Gross. He's gross, but in the end, he's not. So in the episode where we have the consent morality play, mm-hmm. even Jay, the grossest of our sort of main five characters, even he immediately is on the side of the head pusher yes. should be shunned. Yeah. And consent is important. I also appreciate with Jay that later on when they're trying to define like, what is this? Are we boyfriend, girlfriend? Are we just kissing or what? And he's the one who says, I need an emotional relationship. Right. And then he he just opens up with like, you know, my parents have a strict yeah. no touch policy with me at home. So I crave intimacy. That poor little monkey in the experiment just can't thrive. <laughs> He might be a hormone-ravaged gremlin, but he's not a bad person. None of them are really the monsters that their puberty monsters push them toward being. I appreciate that they anthropomorphized the hormone monsters as something separate from the kids. It's a little bit less ooky than a lot of the puberty gross-out, you know, I'm masturbating with a pie kind of comedies because it's like something separate from them is pushing them to do it. And it's not really their natural inclination. They just just have all these hormones they don't know what to do they don't know how to handle it's like it. those old cartoons that have an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other shoulder it's your better nature and it's your id and your ego and your super ego fighting not that that is necessarily a <laughs> great psychology but you know metaphorically and then there are times too where they're able to like exercise self-control and tell their hormone monsters like no that's horrible or there's actually a moment when the, he and missy are going to be alone and he tells the hormone monster that he can't come in you know that he like pushes him out and that's when the <laughs> hormone monster finally goes too far when he's shut out yes goes on his rampage yeah yeah oh jesus god what's happening yeah there's multiple scenes of them just start to finish just jerking yeah it. and there isn't so much that with the ladies. There's references to it. They show the beginning of it, of Jessie exploring her body. Mm-hmm. But they cut away. With her singing vagina. And then they cut away. Like, they don't show. Oh, they yeah. get shy with it in a way that they don't with the boys. Yeah. And, I, you know, I was like, maybe that was like, like a decision that they made. They were like, you know what? It, it's funny with the boys, but with the maybe. girls, it just feels more like porn or something. It feels too <laughs> much like actual child porn. Yeah, which they do reference at the very end. (laughs) The very last lampshade. That's where they talk about where they're like breaking the fourth wall and getting all meta how they can take all these horrible experiences and turn them into something. And then they're like, well, we could never make a movie or a play about this. But maybe if it was something animated and like they kind of look towards the I want to say camera, but it's not really the camera. Right. (laughs) They're like, hmm, animated. (laughs) They look straight at the fourth wall. Hmm. We could get away with that. (laughs) Yeah. Mm-hmm. show is really smart in that way, in the way that they play with that. They're smart with their dick jokes. Yes. Yeah, I mean, they are essentially getting away with something here. The level of specificity and the level of explicitness would not work in any other medium, pretty much. It, it wouldn't work on CBS or Fox or anything. Definitely wouldn't happen. Even at like 10 o'clock at night, not <laughs> happening. Yeah. When people say there's adult content there's bad adult content where it's just like gratuitous you know dicks and masturbation and all that but this it's funny to say with as much gross out masturbation humor as there is in here none of it is really gratuitous that they're always aware of what they're doing there's a point to what they're doing it's a character development it moves the plot and the characters actually do grow and change yeah there's adult content for the purpose of titillation and then there's adult content for the purpose of a story Mm mm-hmm 
Yeah, some of it's definitely a bit gratuitous. I mean, yeah. Uh, like the pillow pregnancy story arc. <laughs> okay, so that was just stupid. weird. That was America's sweetheart, Kristen Bell, by the way. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that human cinnamon roll voiced this character. <laughs> that felt like a Family Guy interlude to me. But, you know, that was a little off for the tone of the show. It was still funny, and they called it back at the end. Right. It was really funny, but it was definitely odd and surreal. There's a very strong absurdist humor streak in this. Oh, absolutely. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of BoJack Horseman in that sense, not just because it's animated, but because it like blends adult themes with extremely silly jokes yes. and dumb puns and stuff. I think the absurdity and the jokes and all of that allow them to be more truthful than if they were just straight on with it. But if they were straight on with the truthfulness, it would be kind of overwhelming. Yeah. Because it's an overwhelming topic, and it's also really painful. So you got to kind of balance that out. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, they're trying to speak to an experience that we've all been through. I mean, it's not it's not a perfect, like, one-to-one representation of everyone's experience, because it's, first of all, it's very heterosexual. Like, despite the episode where they talk about, am I gay? It's still from the perspective, almost 100% of the time, of a straight person, male or female. Yeah. Heteronormativity. But I did appreciate that he questioned himself for a it's while. It's good that they talk about that, because that's a lot of yeah. kids do go through that. Like, am I? That's kind of a part of the puberty thing, is some, sometimes people question themselves. I think this show has enough honesty that even yeah. if it's not your truth, you're like, I know it that kid. True. I know someone that something very similar that this happens yeah. to. In various interviews, the writers have said that some of the events are inspired by real life happenings. Like, I think one of the writers, uh, his friend actually started her <laughs> period in the Statue of Liberty on a school trip. <laughs> Oh, wow. I don't know about the white shorts part, but yeah. And he was just like, I thought it was so hilarious that she became a woman inside of a giant woman. Oh, nightmare. <laughs> I'm sure it was less hilarious mm-hmm. for her. When her mom told her to wear the white shorts, I was like, danger, danger. Don't do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. As soon as the white shorts entered the picture, it was like <laughs> Chekhov's white shorts. Like that was happening. <laughs> exactly the phrase I was thinking of. Oh, and the conversation with her mom when she came back, too. Oh, yeah. She's just doing, like, the cry talking. Like, oh, my God, Mom, I can't believe it. And I was wearing the white shirts. And, I... <laughs> and it just gets progressively higher and higher and more incomprehensible. But you get the when the mom's, like, looking over, she's like, I understand yep. everything. She knows. She was there, too. I think the pillow pregnancy one is a way to talk about teenage pregnancy of having to have one of your actual characters go through that. Yeah. Well, it wasn't even teenage pregnancy. She's 40. That's true. But. He's 13. It was more about someone in their teenage years sort of experimenting with and like imagining adult situations, what it's like to be a real grown up. Sure. Yeah. And man, that goes south real quick. Adulthood? Yeah, it does. (laughs) But with Jay's disgusting parents and his father's disgusting uh, divorce law practice. Stop quoting your father's law commercials. I love that. That every time someone says something like truly (laughs) cringeworthy and horrific, that that's like... It's a quote. It's kind of how they make it okay. You guys want to enter the spoiler zone right quick? I don't know if there's anything to really spoil because it's like, it's all character stuff. I mean, I'm not sure if there's anything in particular to spoil. Okay. There's not really an overarching plot per se. Yeah. I mean, just kind of the relationships that they end up in. 
I mean, there are a couple that like start and stop. So, which was interesting and true to they form. They kind of experiment with relationships. They sort of fling themselves at each other and then bounce off and wonder what happened. The whole storyline between Nick and Jesse, their first little relationship, was just like, oh, <laughs> it me. <laughs> also, it guy I dated. And Nick, who at this point seems to be still functionally prepubescent, he's just sort of play acting at it. I guess emotionally and peer pressure wise, like he wants to be there with the rest of them, but he's just not there. His friends are going through this, so he wants to be there too. He's a year younger than the other character. They don't explicitly say that, but when they're talking about the grades that they're in. So the difference between like 12 and 13 or 11 and 12, yeah, is pretty significant. The girl version of that is comparing notes about when you get your first period. Yeah, it's a source of anxiety that... Or your boobies. I'm like 12 and it hasn't happened yet. Like, why? What's wrong with me? Or, you know, like, right. I'm in second grade and why am I bleeding? Ah. It's funny, like, with puberty, they've done a little bit of research that suggests that when boys hit puberty early, they tend to be more popular and it's more acceptable mm-hmm. and cool because, you know, he starts looking like a man. But when young girls hit puberty early, which I yeah. did, puts a dent on their popularity and social development and nobody else is going through that and they're giving you shit about it and you're just like you're gonna be doing this in like a year or two come on just you wait when it happens for everybody else everybody else is going through it at the same time so you got to be the trailblazer and then you're like the wise guru on the mountain (laughs) no i didn't get to be the guru oh that sucks People didn't like come to you for your sage advice. You weren't like the Sherpa on their journey guiding them through the mountains of puberty. <laughs> like I took it upon myself to explain about ovulation and human reproduction to my lunch table group because our sex ed was horrible. That's the conversation teenage boys want to have at the lunch table. Oh yeah, I was that person. <laughs> Oh, it's the conversation they need to have at the lunch table at some point. And I made sure they had it because their parents sure shit weren't given it. And the athletics trainer who taught health class sure didn't address the topic. I remember getting one semester, I think, of really basic health. Uh, and that was in high school, too. Like, it wasn't even when puberty was happening. It was like the horse is out of the gate. Yeah, like if you have sex, you're going to die. Like, you're just going to die. It was really not very educational. Thus, the lunch table conversation. <laughs> When I was in high school, we had an assembly. Hannah, I don't know if you had to go through this. We had an actual, this is a public high school. And it was a religious abstinence group that came in and did, it was, I think it was a mandatory assembly that we all went to the cafeteria. And they told us, I remember vividly, they had two strips of Velcro. And they said, when you have sex, it's like smashing the Velcro together. And then every time you pull it apart, it's less sticky the next time you want to try to stick to another piece of Velcro. So it's like your damaged goods every time you have sex with with someone new. Yeah, I literally had the licked cupcake lesson. We had to sign abstinence pledges. Wow, I thought my assemblies in California were bad, but I guess I do not know what Texas sex education is like. Texas for the win. Well, maybe this is the TV show that America's 18-year-olds need at this point, or at least the Texas ones. Are we ready to rate this thing? Yeah, let's do it. I'm going to give it three and a half Garrison Keeler getting skull fucked out of five. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you know, I was going to let find that one out for themselves, but you just had to go and spoil that one. Too late now. Skulls out of the bag. We did warn at the top of the episode it was going to be just bonkers in SFW. 
I'll give it three bottles of cotton candy <laughs> bourbon out of five. Oh, no, it was brandy. Cotton candy brandy. Made by kids for kids. <laughs> <laughs> BKFK. <laughs> oh boy. I will give it four out of five white shorts of doom. I feel like we're standing right on the edge of greatness. And if they have a second season and are able to refine it a little bit and kind of learn what their their tone is and cut out some of the more ridiculous stuff i think we'll have true greatness but i will give it four and a half party wolf in the house <laughs> oh, oh. Oh, oh. <laughs> so yeah do you have any awkward puberty stories that you guys want to share i mean i shared mine one might say <laughs> that i overshared. well i just kind of want to go with you there in solidarity <laughs> Okay, should you watch that? Yes. Yes, watch it. You should watch it. I say yes, as long as you're not my mom. Yeah, I'll go with yes. My mom would be very behind the mission of the show, but the execution of it would be difficult for her, I think. My parents would get to the first deeply unsettling Mm -hmm. tangents, and then they would nope out of there. (laughs) As long as you're okay with cartoon penises, you'll probably be fine. Cartoon penises and singing vaginas. Yep. Your parents had hormone monsters too, you know? Yeah. True. That's true, but I really don't want to hear about that. You're only here because your parents had hormone monsters, so. Hey, let's not talk about that anymore. <laughs> Rather not. No. <laughs> I was pretty clueless. Did not uh, get when girls were flirting with me. Mm-hmm. And this isn't really a puberty story. This is when I was, I was either 18 or 19 and I was on my first like cross country trip to like a convention. And uh, I was dancing with this girl at like an after party. And she was like, it's so loud in here. I can't hear you. My room is very quiet. And I'm like, no, no, I can hear you just fine. Oh, shit. Oh, oh man. What the oh, fuck, no. man? <laughs> You'd think with all the training materials and films I've been watching that I would have been prepared, but nope. The training materials and films? <laughs> He's talking about He's the porn. He's talking about the porn. The Italian stallion. <laughs> the Italian stallion. Oh my god. I don't know. I told my playgirl story. I talked about hitting puberty early and how traumatic that was. I don't know. Chris, you go for one. Ah. I don't know. I- I'm blanking. Or you- you're thinking of things that are so horrible you don't want to share them in I a just podcast. Can't. Like... there you go people i know listen to this i mean i don't just want to straight up tell a story about jerking off or something because you know my impression was that all guys have a i got a boner at an inappropriate time story oh yeah there's not a singular story that's just a period of my (laughs) life of like two years it's just a state of being Yes, it's just a state of being. It's a response to all yes. stimulus uh, when you're in like junior high. Like nervousness, <laughs> really? awkwardness, nervousness? something oh, arousing. Yes. Oh, yeah, they're like, hey, why don't you come up here and oh, solve no. this math problem? And you're like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be bringing my friend along. <laughs> self-fulfilling so. prophecy. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I'm going to carry my very large trapper keeper up to the board. <laughs> well, I mean, I did a little bit of that with period blowouts. Yes. Yeah, I remember having an incident on the bus and it like had gotten through my undies, through my jeans and onto the bus seat. Oh, it was bad. I had one in English class in middle school. I didn't even know about it until after I had already gotten up to leave and then sort of figured it out. 
But I realized with dawning horror that I had gotten up to turn in a paper and walk to the front of the class and back to my seat at some point during that class. So it was just on display for the world. Best advice I ever got for navigating junior high was from the cool English teacher who told me that, you know, you're so worried and focused about what everyone else thinks about you, but you need to realize that everyone else is so concerned with themselves that they're not really paying attention to you. I'm like, oh, okay, that helps. I mean, people tried to tell me that, but I was just so, I guess, like, self-centered and whatever. Weren't we all? Well, she was like, you're a selfish little monster (laughs) in the nicest way, you know, and everyone else is too, and no one is paying attention to anyone else because they're so worried that you probably don't notice anybody else's issues or problems and they don't notice yours either. So I don't know how many teenage viewers or listeners we have, but it's cool, man. It's cool. It gets better. (laughs) It's okay. It gets better. Now that we've all gone on a fun and horrifying journey into our, into our own pasts, let's bring ourselves back. Let's, let's have a, let's have a deep cleansing breath in through the nose. All right. Breathe in adulthood. Breathe out adolescence. (sighs) (sighs) I'm a homeowner. I can drink a beer. (laughs) Our next show is probably going to be horrifying, but in a completely different way. I'm up next week. So the show that I've picked out for us to watch is going to be Mindhunter, which is about FBI profilers trying to understand serial killers and being kind of drawn into their world and under their sway and, you know, what makes them the way they are. Nietzsche quotes. Ooh, it's going to be spooky. David Fincher is the director for, if not of the whole thing, some of the episodes. And I'm a huge fan of his work. If you listen to our Evil Politics. Oh, what the fuck is the name of that show? It's like the most popular Netflix show. House of Cards. (laughs) Evil Politics. Evil Politics, Kevin Spacey. (laughs) House of Cards. Just Google it. It'll come up. (laughs) So if you listen to our House of Cards episode, you probably heard me talk about him. So I'm a big fan. So I'm I'm really looking forward to this one. So you'll get some of your Halloween spookiness, not just the horror that is puberty. Although if you dress up as a hormone monster for Halloween. Would be such a good costume. Send us the picture. I want to see that. That'd be awesome. You have to have the nose that's vaguely penis shaped. Yes. It's an important detail. It's really important detail, actually. (laughs) It's essential. Absolutely essential. You should do the couple's costume where each one of you is one of the hormone monsters. That would be great. Does the hormone monster remind anyone else of one of the creatures from Where the Wild Things Are? Yes. Yes. I think that was on purpose. That must have been on purpose. So that was Big Mouth. You can find all kinds of nerd shenanigans, including our other podcast, Four Color Nerds Comic Book Reviews at fourcolornerds.com or on our Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find the podcast on iTunes and Google Play Music, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and on Podcast Addict. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And be sure to come back next week for another episode. Until then, keep streaming, nerds. Life is a fucked up mess. People are horrible. Life is a fucked up mess. Oh, it's a shit It's all just heartbreak and misery. No one is truly happy. And it doesn't get any better when you're dead. Ha! <laughs>